I got a new puff screen to help with my peas. Puff, puff. When we were pushing peas, it was particularly painful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Here we go. In a three, in a two, in a one. This is Hubert Tito, and I'm here to tell you that Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Shop Soccer 90 for all of your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. Watch for new MLS gear landing the entire month of February as we all anxiously await to see the new kits. All Third Degree listeners receive 20% off their purchase when they use the code ThirdDegree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. Cue me that number, Buzz. 147. Of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter. And as normal... First off, Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Oh, what amazing weather we're having. This is just like home. <laughs> are you having, did you have bangers and mash for breakfast? Oh, I wish. No, it was work calls all morning, so no breakfast at all. What, a, what exactly are bangers and mash? I know mash is potatoes. Bangers are like a sausage. Yeah. Okay. It's just sausages, mashed potatoes, and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds sounds very nutritious. Very English. <laughs> very hey, English. it warms you up. That's all that matters. I'm sure it does, yes. And uh, clogs you up, too. Uh, and there was the dulcet tones of your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor-founder of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. I, I would make a uh, calling-in joke today, but I'm sure everybody knows that we're all at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we had the winter day. We were recording this on Thursday. We all sat through. Did did everybody get a pretty hefty, at least at least brief snow uh, storm? I, storm sounds very rude to or wrong to put it that way, but d- dousing inches. of snow. You had two. Yeah, it was fun uh, going to the store at lunch, just watching people flailing around on the road, not able to drive. It's uh, <laughs> the hell, Texas. <laughs> haven't left the house. I had the biggest, fluffiest flakes today. It was great. Yeah, I had big, fat, wet flakes with it. You know, I got a good, I don't know, inch, inch and a half layer outside. It, it looks very cool, very exciting. It is great. Uh, at least it turned out not to be the death storm from last year, so we're all pleased about that. Buzz, I was thinking, since we don't have a ton of stuff today on the heels of a megapod last week, and it's probably starting to get that time of year especially with all the news that you're probably attracting some new listeners to the pod since it's free and anybody can access it i thought maybe i'd give we'd take this moment for you to explain the opportunities to subscribe to your patreon uh subscription stuff and what they can get for the different levels of being a patreon yeah by the way you weren't kidding about last week that was an hour 50 over hour 50 which i think was our record i'm pretty sure so um, yeah, we have a Patreon service. The idea is that if you enjoy our work that you would support us, I, I jokingly call it the PBS method, which is basically how it works. Uh, if, if you like what we do, whether it be the, the podcast or the blog, you know, throw us a little money if you like. Now, as a, as a benefit uh, to supporting us, we give you a little something. And the, those, the two things you can get, and everyone that joins the Patreon gets what I call third degree An burns. Umbrella? Which, no, no umbrellas, no merch, no oh, free merch. Okay. I can't afford that. Um, what you get is free pieces of my brain. Basically I, I do these things called third degree burns or like little mini podcasts anywhere from two minutes to like eight minutes long on a singular topic. It's not every day. Like it won't be on a day. We do a podcast for example, but it's close to every day or every other day uh, on some sort of topic related to FC Dallas uh, tangentially. Sometimes it can be Academy or us soccer, but it's always got a FC Dallas angle. Um, and then if you reach certain higher levels, you get certain other perks uh, the most notable of which is um, there is a level at which you get access to our Discord server, which is a very obviously private community of like-minded people that support us and are really interested in FC Dallas. And so it's a really nice level of discussion going on in there. Um, you know, all things FC Dallas related as well. So um, those are the main two primary perks at various levels. And, and 
but but as usual, like you know, ninety nine percent of what we do is available for everybody. But the reason we left the Dallas Morning News was because of the paywall. So we're not doing that again, um, and we hope everybody enjoys our work and continues to contribute. So that's the PBS method. If you like the podcast and the blog, then spend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have like specific tiers of money, do you? Like you can just give, you can donate however much you want. Well, yeah, you can, there are tiers, but you can pick any amount you like. There's a discount if you sign up for a year at a time, you know, that kind of thing applies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can pick any level of contribution you wish to give. And there are perks for various uh, tiers in there, but there's no, you don't have to use the tiers. You can use whatever number you want. So uh, I don't know if it'll let you do less than a dollar, but it definitely a dollar is the minimum, I think. So, um, you know, there are many people that support at that level and there are many people that support higher than that. So I appreciate all of it. Well, considering this is your 25th year of co covering this club, I think now is a more appropriate time than ever that anybody that's been uh, consuming your t content either on the long term or new to it uh, should consider donating some money in your Patreon account. I think that would be money well spent. Uh, and I will also vouch for the daily burns. The audio burns are uh, always good content that give, that generate Lots of positive feedback, but the Discord server is also a really fantastic community of people uh, that ask good questions, and there's always good conversations, and it's uh, it's pretty chill too. So good memes uh, too, and and there's always some good memes. And <laughs> yeah, there's also a, a a nice off-topic uh, channel in there that we get to talk about our favorite TV shows and movies and stuff, like the new episode of Book of Boba Fett, which is mind-meltingly awesome. Yeah, so. Uh, okay, so we, as we said, we don't have a ton to talk about because uh, the club is down in Florida doing their own training, and they have not provided a lot of information. It's, it does feel like, I don't know if this is like a budget thing, which feels very counter to everything else that's been going on the last few weeks, or if this is a COVID thing, or they're trying to just keep things on the download. Do you have any sense as to why they've been so hush-hush about this trip? Well, I think um, this new coach, uh, Nico Estevez, is very much a keep everything on the down loan kind of guy. He's concerned with the amount of information that gets out and what kind of information that gets out. At least that's the impression I get from various people. Um, now, they are also only going for a very short period of time, relatively speaking. They are going to be there only for like six or seven days. Um, like I didn't, I considered for a moment going too, but I made the same decision. It's like the cost of me going would, would not have been worth the going when, when the first game was going to be against the U S U twenties, which is a terrible game. And there was only going to be one quality game played against Orlando. Um, I think it's on Saturday. So you combine that with all the big moves they've been doing, the Jesus and Ariola and Velasco and all that stuff. They probably just decided it was more important to be here and be all in for those announcements. I imagine. Okay. Well, so uh, since we don't get to talk a lot about that, we should at least start by talking about the good news up front, which is the Allen. By the way, I saw him in an audio. I saw him in a video pronounce his last name Velaco. Did you guys see that? I did not, but I saw it mentioned. Yeah. So it was, um, I don't know if you saw it, Dan, but he clearly pronounced his last name Velaco, and I guess that is an Argentinian thing. They pronounce S's as C's or something. I don't know. I remember uh, when uh, when Ezekiel Cerigliano was here, uh, I think it was Oscar would always say, like, Argentines just have their own, like, mini dialect almost, just the way they, they pronounce certain letters. I think you could probably see it with uh, uh, Faku when he uh, does his, uh, you know, that, that recording they have of all the players, and he sort of says, Faku, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> is it a U or is it, oh, it's Facundo, and the name is Faku spelled with a U, but, you know, and I like, you know, Buzz uh, made the point, it, it's, it's weird because it sounds like he says Faku. Yeah. Like and the, he, he, you know, it yeah. does sound that way. I, I remember that when Oscar was here, there were like 10 different ways that you would say his name, Oscar, depending on what country the person was from South America, their version of Spanish. And they're all tiny little differences. Like, you know, like in American wise, we would say Oscar, but then the it's Oscar or Oscar, or you know, there were just so many variations. I never knew which one was right. Uh, Andy used to try and tell me and I could never remember. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, all those countries are so big and so different that you get different pronunciations. So it's not surprising that he's got a different pronunciation for his name than 
Certainly, I knew it wasn't going to be Blasco. That's, you know, Americanized version. You know. well, well, don't get me started on Jesus Ferreira because his dad, David, used to pronounce it differently than Jesus does. And it's a whole barrel of fish. Jesus whatever. says it differently when, whenever he's talking English or Spanish as well. Yeah. Edwin Cerrillo does the same thing. He's, he says his name different ways, too, depending on who he's talking to. Well, uh, name pronunciation aside, it does feel all very strange and weird that Dallas and the Hunts went out and spent an insane amount of money for a 19-year-old winger from Argentina. Now, Buzz, you, and again, this is the reason why I asked you to talk about the Discord is specifically for this reason, because in your Discord channel, you have been expressing a bit of a concern about Alan and his arrival here that you haven't really been talking about publicly, but uh, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to kind of express here on the pod what it is maybe you're slightly just kind of red flagging. Oh, well, there's there's actually three different things I'm red flagging. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> not, to, not to be a buzzkill. Uh, hashtag buzzkill. Um, the, the first of which is just the timeline. Uh, visas these days take longer than they used to. Um, some of that is because the player has to do certain things and you have to be in the right country to go get it. And also, more importantly, you just never know. There have been visas that have taken months you know, sometimes they take two weeks, but sometimes they take months. So there's no guarantee that he's going to get here in a week or two. He, it might be three, four or, or longer, you know, so there's no guarantee he'll be here by the time the season starts. The second thing is that he's 19 and this will feed into the third thing. Um, and despite the fact that you get really excited about the things he's done, you are talking about a transition to a different uh, league and we should not expect, I don't think, a player to walk in and be an MLS MVP superstar. You know, you're talking about an adjustment for play style and for his age. Um, it won't be easy for him, you know, because he's going to be in a new environment, uh, a new living situation, a new training situation. He won't know anybody and all those things, you know, there, there's, we always talk about taking half a season to adjust. You know, you can look at um, Obreon just last year, for example, uh, for the first half of the season was terrible. And then he figured the league out and got, better, right? Even if you don't like him. Air quotes, it, better. Better. Better is better. Whether it's, it's still not great, but it's better. He quit diving, quit doing a lot of the diving, right? He made an adjustment. So, and the third thing, and this is actually the bigger one, I think the one you're alluding to, uh, is that at least initially and all throughout his reporting, the subtext, not his reporting, reporting on him, the subtext coming out of Argentina was that he really didn't want to do this move. Uh, there was lots of talk about how he's a lifelong fan of this this team he was with, uh, how much he loved the team. He was only doing this move because the team needed him to, how MLS wasn't good enough or wasn't the thing he was expecting. Uh, the fans are all mad that they're only getting, you know, combined 10 million and not the 20 million they thought he was worth. Uh, you know, things, discussion points like that all led to this vibe some people flat out saying it, but also this just vibe coming through his stuff that he really didn't want to be here in Frisco and with FC Dallas. Now, you know, the, the stuff the club has put out since then, I think is pushing back against that idea. He said he's excited in a little video they put out, you know, again, spin, whatever the club has put out things about why this is a great stepping stone for him and stuff like that. Um, but you know, this all relates back to this idea that the club started this, you know, whatever you call it, life wellness program or, or division, which I think is a really good idea because of the fact you're taking a kid, again, 19 years old. We have no idea what his social life is like in terms of uh, reliance on family, what kind of his living situation he's back home. Is he been on his own back home? Does he have a serious girlfriend, which has been a problem when they can't get in the country for both Ned Yalkov and um, Cobra had this same problem. You know, so you don't know what his situation is going to be. He's a He's going to be a young effectively just barely not a teenager living in a new country, making art probably millions of dollars with no parental supervision or life coach supervision or no girlfriend to provide a stability for all we know. So there are lots and lots of red flags to be aware of here. Um, even when you're paying the kind of money you're paying, you're still talking about a teenage kid, barely, not a teenage kid coming to a new place and a new team and a new environment where he has no idea anything. And you don't even know if there's, is there even a good Argentine culture in Dallas somewhere? I, I don't, I don't know of one, but I'm not Argentine, so I couldn't really tell you. So, 
you know, I think people should be aware of that kind of thing and cognizant of that kind of thing and not expect the kid to walk in the door scoring a goal a game. You know, there's going to be other things that are going to impact his arrival and we should temper our expectations because of it. Dan, you've got lots of experience, I suspect, with visa stuff uh, and just trying to move from one country to another. And I also think back to the the whole Mauro Diaz experiment because there are elements to this that do make you wonder. <clears throat> there were a long period of time where Mauro Diaz just looked like he wanted to be anywhere else other than here. I mean, remember when they brought in Maxi in part to, you know, make uh, Mauro feel a little more at home and then that wasn't quite enough. So they brought in uh, Rosales as well. And, you know, it was a long ramp up and and he still was never fully, he was never fully comfortable here. Um, It was, you know, maybe his personality as much as anything, but... That's hard, right? Nineteen yeah. years old, and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm in my breakout season with my club. I'm scoring against River Plate. I'm, you know, maybe like aging towards the idea of a, a European move in a couple of years. What? Go to the US? But what? Yeah. No, it's, I, uh, Dan, I don't yeah, think you were here. I don't think you were here back then, but Buzz, you definitely were. Do you remember? Do you remember that very first night out at SMU? It was a preseason game. When Joselita Vaca first showed up with the team, do you remember that night? Uh, I, I remember it on a macro level. I don't. I don't know what. I'll you're never forget it. Because, so, for those who are new to the pod or don't remember the back in the Dallas Burn days, uh, Dallas brought in this very young Bolivian midfielder named Joselita Vaca, and um, and and he was a little tiny dude. He was quite a soccer player. But he was very young. He was, I think he was 19, maybe less than that. I can't remember. Yeah, he was, fresh out of Taoichi. Yeah, tiny kid. And they were having a preseason game. I think it was a preseason game out at SMU. And he just sat on the bench by himself. Like, he didn't know anybody. Nobody knew him. And it just looked very, very lonely. And every time one of these kids from South America come up here, I think about that, about how much things are probably going to have to change to help guys like that get acclimated. Oscar, you know, I think you may have mentioned this buzz. Oscar used to talk about the time it takes for these guys to acclimate to just living here, much less playing here. Yeah. So I, you know, when we talk about this with Velasco, I also think that's part of the reason why, as we talked about last week, the signing of Ariola is such a huge deal because you're getting another guy in the team that already knows everything about MLS and playing in it and is, you know, going to kick off on day one. Yeah, I would expect Ariola to have a much quicker impact. Um, you know, there's a big difference between, just as an example, Frank O'Hara came here by himself initially. Um, but then by the time when his family actually got here and his wife got here and his kids got here, and then he has a house and he's buying a boat and he's out on the lake with his family and they're in the backyard grilling, all of a sudden things are much better, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we use these examples of, in very recent times, Ned Yalkov and, and Cobra, you know, coming here and, and just being absolutely flabbergasted at how different Frisco, is, let alone Dallas, Frisco is compared to whatever European, you know, city you've been living in, which if any of you all have been to Europe, Peter, you certainly would know this, I think. And Dan, obviously you're from there. There's a, it's a very different culture and environment than it is, than is Frisco, you know, or Dallas by itself, you know, and these guys just don't, they don't always adjust right away and 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 what their their situation off the field is can have a massive massive impact Ariola, you know is from here you know has played for dc he's played for la he's certainly been to dallas many times he'll know what it's all about you know you can i'll use another example is the new north texas coach pamadu uh Ka. he actually said in the interview he did when he left his previous team is that dallas was the place that he'd identified during his playing career that he wanted to live when he retired, he wanted, he and his, I think he said it was his wife. I think I'm, I don't want to speak out of turn if it's not married. They wanted, they had identified Dallas as the place they wanted to go. And that was part of why he's so excited to be here is because he always wanted to be here. That's totally different than some of these other circumstances. And it'll make a huge, huge difference on how quickly you're going to see a guy impact Areola versus Velaco. Yeah, I think what a lot of other people may not know is just how slow a pro athlete's life is. If you're a single dude living in a strange city, you're only training for so much of a day. 
And the rest of the day for many people is just sitting around with nothing but time on your hands. So if you're new here and you've never driven in this, you know, in this area, you don't know, or maybe you don't even know how to drive. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or just the whole culture shock has got to be a big deal. So uh, when we hear about Velasco and his, if there in fact is any hesitancies on his part about coming here or concerns, hopefully those are things that'll get washed away quickly when he uh, gets to start practicing with the team, which leads me to this buzz. Do we have any idea when, I mean, when we can expect him to show up? Which one, Ariel or Velaco? Velaco. Uh, no clue. Like I said, that's the visa. You don't, you don't know. Um, I mean, Ariel, I imagine will be here any day, you know, because of the, the fact that, you know, as soon as he's done with the national team, I'll tell you a funny story related to this idea. I, I've often wondered, like, if you're into biometric consistency, the idea that if the games are at 7 o'clock, you should train at 7 o'clock at night, right? That makes your, your performance output always consistent, biologically speaking. Well, one of the main reasons that they don't is because most of their players are teenagers or people in their low 20s. And if you train in the evening all the time, then they don't get up. They don't, they, they, don't, they don't get up in the morning and actually live like a life. They end up sleeping later and later and later. And so that's the main reason that they train in the morning is because it makes the people be <laughs> professional and get up in the morning and actually eat correctly and go to training and then do things in the afternoon and not just become these sloths who lay around all day. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. That is funny. Yeah. But you can see, I mean, you can imagine, like if you're yeah. an 18-year-old kid getting paid millions of dollars and you don't have to be anywhere until 7 p.m., why would you get up at 6 a.m.? Hell, you know, if like, you were one of yeah. these guys making $24,000 a year, why would you right. get up at, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like during the summer, like the training starts at like at 8 or, you know, you got to be up there by 6.30 or 7 in the morning. So, you know, they're making those kids get up really early all the time. And you can't live a party lifestyle and do that not consistently without burning out. So it's like, you know, that's all part of it. It's, 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 they almost force these kids to live normal lives by having them be up there training in the morning and, and then be involved afterwards in other things, you know. Well, hopefully uh, it happens sooner than later. And you mentioned Ariola. Um, Buzz, and I'm going to turn my focus to Dan and ask him if Dan took any time to watch either of the last two U.S. men's national team games. I watched the second half of the... No, I didn't actually. No, I haven't watched the last two. I I, I thought about it, and then I had stuff that I needed to do yesterday. <laughs> well, I wondered because uh, aforementioned Mr. Ariola made an appearance in the game against Canada, and I wondered if you saw uh, his his performance. Because I know you're, you're eager to see him. He kick, right? Yeah, yeah. He almost... I saw that, but that was about it. I, when I thought that was going in, the first thing I thought about was you. Hey, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I, you know, I want to see him do well. I just uh, have not had an opportunity to see that. Okay. Well, anyway, he played in the game. Uh, I thought he added a little bit of a spark. It was interesting seeing him play. I thought he was going to bag an overhead kick to at least. I think that at that point would have tied the game one-one, um, but it was not to happen, and that was all we saw of Mister. Uh, Areola until we get to see him training with the team. So, uh, Buzz, any other insight on Paul as he heads towards uh, Dallas's training? No, other than like you know, consider that the coach obviously has a long-established relationship with him, relationship with him. And given that Paul's twenty-six, you're looking at a guy that's entering the prime of his career. Twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. The next four years or so are going to be his peak performance of his career. So you already have him locked in. You know exactly what you're getting pending health. You know, obviously he can play into form and be hotter or colder, but generally speaking, you know exactly what you're getting, you know exactly what you're paying for, and you can be very uh, reliably consistent in your expectation of what he's going to bring to you on the field. That's massively different than Velaco. We're going to try and use that correct pronunciation for him, uh, where you're talking about a 19-year-old kid, where he's going to continue to improve for the next seven years or so until he hits his peak. And so part of what you're paying for with him is not, and this is the same was when FC Dallas sold Pepe, part of what you're paying for is not how good he is now. What you're paying for is the idea of what he'll be, he'll be worth to you and in a future sale as he continues to improve until he's 26 and hits his peak window. So you know you don't expect Mario Diaz at his peak at 27 or David Ferreira at his peak at 27, 28, 
you know, winning MVPs. You're talking about a 19 year old kid. He's, he's three years younger than Shabok Shon, just for an example. I mean, he's younger than Jesus. He's younger than Thomas Roberts, younger Paxton. than Brian Reynolds. Yeah. Way younger than Paxton, three or four years younger than Paxton. So, you know, it, it, we should all be super excited that the, about the paradigm change that Dallas is now spending crazy money but you cannot expect that kid. It's not fair to expect that kid to walk in and be an MVP. He is a DP because you're paying him a bunch of money based on his potential. And you'd like to think that he will be impactful, but to expect him to be that way in February when the kickoff on the 26th is, is completely unfair because a, he might not even be here and B he'll, he just will need some time. I guarantee you he will need some time. Plus there's a mismatch potentially with the idea if you're false nining, the way a false nine works is that the, that striker moves out of the center channel space and your wings, this is why you want areola, you want your wings to slash into the gaps behind and into the hole to take advantage of that. I'm not sure that that's what Ari, uh, Velasco does. He's a pick up the ball. He looks like Polisic more to me. Drop back, pick up the ball and run at people. And you saw the last two games of the United States, Polisic was getting lost in the middle so that's something they'll have to work on, uh, integrating that guy into this new system as they all learn it, learn it, including Jesus and Paul, for that matter, you know, uh, in, together. Um, and you can't count out Shun and Obreon and Khalil and some of these other guys that might still be impactful, too. Uh, I want to move to the national team and how that relates back to the upcoming Dallas season here in a second. I, the last thing about Velasco that I, I want to just throw out there is, is that there's a level of pressure not just on Velasco, but also on Zanata because somehow you have to assume he was integral into getting this guy to come here and also in integral in talking the hunts into spending that amount of money. And I'm hoping and I'm going to assume uh, that Andre had done a ton of homework and talked to a ton of people to make sure that this was a guy that was going to travel all the way up here and have a head right with ball, as my good friend Mike Reiner would say, and not be a pouty little punk that he's unhappy and homesick. Um, I, I, that, that, I hope, is something they had enough foresight to at least uh, have some conversations about. Yeah, I hope so too. And they did say that they had conversations with him and met with him and his people. And and Zanata has said that, or the team said that Zanata was tracking him even when he was before he came here, which is like four years back now. So that's how long he was aware of him. Um, you know, but listen, Zanata's track record has not been phenomenal. You know, he's got this one now with um, Velaco. He's got peas that we don't know much about coming in. You know, we got the right back Nanu that we know very little about from from um, Porto coming in. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see. I think the verdict's not out yet. I mean, we like the paradigm change, but um, the proof is in the pudding, right? You got to be able mm-hmm. to compete, you know. And 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 th- again, this is some of this, Peter. I think too is all this pushback on the process, right? Trying to tap the brakes a little bit. I think some of that is all related to this. They know this is gonna they're gonna need some time to get this whole thing cooked up. You know that there's still some dead weight on the roster in terms of contract value. You know, and they're gonna have. It's not gonna happen overnight. They're not gonna be in the MLS Cup this year still. Okay, that's not breaking news. No, but well, <laughs> I know what you mean. Based on people's reactions on the internet, I think people are thinking they are. But I, I, you know, I'm trying to. I think we should all tap. We have a responsibility to try and rein people in a little bit too, you know, because we we shouldn't be trumpeting this as like a the oh sweet turnaround first place here we go because that's not how we should be reading this. Well, then we should also then talk about you know what happened in the since we last talked. The U.S. has played two more games, both of which uh, are very different. The game against Canada on a small field, uh, on turf, they looked very stagnant and poor. Uh, and then uh, the, the kind of the surprise that Pepe didn't start the game against Canada. He did get some minutes towards the end. He did start the the third game against Hon, uh, yeah Honduras last night. And played. What did he get up to? Sixty-eight minutes. When did he sub out? Oh, I don't remember exactly. Something in that. that yeah, game. somewhere middle of the second half. Um, and I, you know, I I do get the sense. I let me say this: there are significant portions of time in those first two games where I was starting to get the weird sense that something felt very familiar. And it dawned on me at that point, what I felt like I had been watching was pretty much the 2019 through 2021 version of FC Dallas and Lucci Ball. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for sure. The first game of the three, that team was looking to sit and compress. Uh, And certainly in the last one against Honduras, the same thing. That's what's so so weird is like all three of those games, I thought Jesus bizarrely made the most sense to start because if you're playing a team against a low block, unless you're going to be like a hundred crosses kind of team, using a player like Jesus, which is much better at the, at the small space movement and ticky tack kind of play that works to help break down a low block better. And that's also true against Canada. When you went into a, a, a tighter field where they tried to compress the middle again, Jesus better at that ticky tacky ball movement kind of stuff. So it was weird that all three of these games, I felt like, man, you really should be going with Jesus in these games. Um, but I, I did think Pepe looked better than Zardis for what that's worth uh, against Canada. Um, you know, I, I don't know why Pepe didn't get any moves before this. There were, there were some alleged reports that um, Pepe wasn't picking up the, the bear halter tactics and training as much as they quite liked. Uh, maybe I can buy that because if he's also trying to integrate into Augsburg, he's probably got two systems trying to be pounded into his head at the same time, you know, and, and that can obviously cause problems for a kid who's, you know, trying to get the national team system and trying to get his new pro system together at the same time. So, um, well, I, yeah. you know, just to, just to focus on Pepe just a little bit, I, you know, I was really, I felt Pepe was a bit of a mixed bag. Well, I thought he was very active in making the right runs and, and working really hard. His first touch was pretty poor. Um, uh, there were a couple of moments where you're like, man, you got to hold that ball and you can't give it up there. Uh, and, and you do wonder if he was struggling with the cold cause it was so brutally cold last night. He also got hit in the nose and turned out we, he turned out he broke his nose on that collision very shortly after the start of the game. Uh, not a lot was going right for Pepe and man, that is a kid that just needs to score a goal at somewhere, yeah. somehow he's just got to score a goal. Well, I'm with you. I thought he was really active and I liked his movement. I thought it was really good. You know, I, I definitely think it's the cold. I mean, he's from El Paso and Dallas, you know, and like, we're not used to that here. He's not used to that. You know, he's not in crazy cold Germany very much yet. You know, it's, I don't think he's in that kind of cold. So uh, that, I mean, that's what I put it down to, you know, that and being, again, being pulled in two different directions by his new pro team and his new, and the national team being different, you know. So as we watch those games, Buzz, how much of what you're seeing Greg Berhalter try to institute at the national team level do you feel like we're going to end up seeing here in Dallas with his former assistant, uh, Nico? Oh, all of it. Yeah, it's it's literally the exact same system. Um, you know, the only difference is that you might see are going to be in personnel. Like uh, so far, I haven't seen uh, Estevez try the right back to center mid flip-flop thing, but Berhalter seems to have given up on that too. Um so I don't know if that's going to come back with the national team or not. And and if I see it happening with FC Dallas, I'll certainly let everybody know, but so far it hasn't been. Um, but otherwise it's basically the exact same system, single pivot, you know, with, with theoretically Cerrillo is going to be in that uh, Tyler Adams or last in the last game, Kellen Costa role, um, you know, Paxton. And uh, right now it seems Brandon Cervania are your two eights and, and basically playing the Weston and the either Musa or last time it was a, a De La Torre role. You know, you got a nine who's going to be the, the key term that like um, Coach Steph has mentioned it. Like if you want to call it a fast nine, false nine, I think he said. But the idea is that it's a non-static nine where the nine moves in and out of space and creates gaps. So whether you want to call it a false nine or not, it's kind of a semantic. But it's that, you know, Pepe and Jesus both do that with the national team. One tends to do it higher than the other, but they both do the same amount of movement and drawing of defenders. And then the wingers are the same thing, you know, whether you're going to get a guy slashing like a Wea or a guy playing, you know, outside in like Polistic or not, just depends on your personnel matchups, uh, you know, and going out and getting Areola and going out and getting Velaco gives you different kind of alternatives to Obreon and Shun. So you have the potential to flip flop those bodies and get the different kinds of styles based on who you're playing. So um, that's exactly like so far in training we've seen from SC Dallas, it's exactly like the national team plays. So, when you watch the national team and some of the problems they were having with Polisic, specifically Polisic drifting inside and coming back deep and kind of clogging the middle up specifically for Musa, uh, which I thought was a real problem, and I was confused as to and my assumption is that's Polisic doing Polisic things and and going against what Greg has been trying to get him to do, and it also really affected the team playing vertically. Like that that whole system seems to work so much better when when they've got wingers willing to go forward. Um, it, do you feel like that's the kind of stuff that you 
they sh- that we should be looking for yeah. with Dallas, or will the, or or is Nico likely to end up having similar uh, tactical issues he's going to have to work through? No, I think you'll you'll want to look more for the style of Wea or Ariola. Obviously, the way he does it with that group, um, the way Morris does it with that group. I think that's the idea. Um, you know, you know one of the one of the buzzwords that um, a coach said to me uh, about the wings they were looking for was being able to exploit the space that the mobile nine is going to create because the mobile nine will be part of the build. And so those wings want to be cutting and slashing off of that nine. So, you know, I don't think they want that drop deep because you saw with the national team, Weston McKinney, like going out wide to the touchline, trying to find space because Polisic wasn't out there and Robinson wasn't coming forward. So he was trying to compensate and go out there. And I'm like, what is he doing? Get back in the middle. But, you know, uh, Western covers so much ground. It's ridiculous. Um, and for me, that's like the big takeaway, like of the last couple of games watching was like what they don't have is Weston McKinney. FC Dallas doesn't, you know, and that's why I, I, I referenced on Twitter the other day that Paxson needs to be that for this team. Unless they get somebody else, Paxson needs to be McKinney. But it's not just like in play. It's look at McKinney lately with the national team. The presence that he has, the grit, the leadership, the timely popping up and making a play to break the game, the box to box thing, the intensity that Paxson has all of that too. So if Paxson can be there, Weston McKinney, it'll make a big difference in whether the success of this team this year. And so those are the things you look for with the national team of what Dallas doesn't have. The national team does have, and that's where you, if Paxson can't do that, they're going to have to get somebody else that can do that because that's a big part of what they are right now are those two eights in midfield. When Musa's on or Dolatori uh, was great last game, pa- uh, um, uh, Weston is great every game. You know, you need that those dominant uh, – Kellen Acosta in there too. I mean, this last game it was a six, but he's done as an eight too. Um, you know, just have that – authority in the middle of the field you know we'll need brandon Cervania too to be some of that because brandon you know brandon can be a little passive sometimes in terms of exerting himself on the game and, and they'll need that from those guys yeah i was wondering as as i was watching this and watching last night's performance and by the way i just for real quick i you know if you're from this area and you watch that game last night, I hope everybody is just filled with the tremendous amount of this, the uh, tr- the same tremendous amount of pride I was seeing Weston and Kellen in particular out there uh, uh, for the national team. Those two guys bossed that game up and down. It was so great to see Kellen play that well, uh, but to know that those are two guys from this area really leading the charge in a national team World Cup qualifier uh, is just the coolest feeling as a native Texan and a native North Texan. Uh, I I don't know. I, that just is my favorite part of the game last night. But as you watch that with uh, Kellen and Weston and De La Torre, you know, two eights and a six, if you think about that with uh, Dallas – how do you feel those two? How do you feel Dallas's three guys will match up? Like who is who in that system for Dallas? Well, it depends. There's, sometimes there's some variance in the game to game with those guys, but um, so far when we've watched Dallas in training, and I'm sure Dan could verify this as well, um, the two eights are pretty lateral. They're pretty flat. Um, Surio is the six single six. That's the Tyler Adams role. That's the Kellen Acosta role. And one of the reasons why I think Cerillo has been uh, getting the call ahead of Facundo this spring is because of the uh, range that that role is going to require, that ability to go sideline to sideline and cover up the back four. Cerillo can bring that, I think, more, a little more than Facundo can that because he's younger and more mobile. So really, you can look, uh, you know, which one will do which is more about their character traits Pomacall and, and Cervania for now are those two eights that, that are going to be in the McKinney and the Musa or the McKinney and uh, earlier in this, this year, McKinney and, and um, uh, Kellen. It's been McKinney and um, uh, De La Torre in the last game. We've even seen you know somebody like a Pulisic or whatever used in there occasionally. I think it's been a long time since they tried that, but um, Roldan comes into that same spot. You know, it, the idea is these guys that can play box to box to box and legitimately get forward and be impactful. Again, exploit that space that's going to be created by your mobile nine. 
But also, as you see with McKinney and, and Musa and those guys, they also get back and get in defensive positions because the rotations we've watched in training, uh, there's a lot of work with the central mids, particularly the eights, needing to be able to get back and cover outside backs when they go forward. There's an emphasis so far in, yes, using attacking outside backs to get forward, but also not leaving the defense completely exposed. A lot of defensive responsibility work in the early stages of training. So um, big reliance on younger guys that can cover lots of ground uh, and, and, and sort of a uniform role from both of those dudes so far with FC Dallas, not really looking for one of them specifically to be the De Bruyne getting forward all the time. The coach wanting both of them to be like that. Um, so big burden on both of those kids, Pamacall and Sylvania. Again, one reason why we, we've talked a lot about the need for another eight on this team. They're light in that spot because other than those two guys, you're going down to the draft pick, uh, Siki, you're going, you're looking at Nicky Hernandez. You're looking at Blaine Ferry, who's not even an FC Dallas player, you know? So it's, they're, they're really light there in terms of experience uh, in, in that midfield. And anybody that you can count on past Paxson and Brandon. Right now, they don't have anybody they can count on other than those two guys. You know, and to have two starters only is a problem. You know, you need somebody else in there. All right. So, Dan, you typically have your ear to the ground. Is there any word or any vib- any kind of rumors uh, milling about as to uh, if they are going to bring in another center midfielder and will it apply specifically to um, uh, maybe that in- international slot they traded for? Well, I put my ear to the ground and then it froze and stuck to it. So that, <laughs> that was a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the logical step, right? Uh, they, right. They've got a, a CQ is, you know, is a guy that you'd, you'd ideally want to stash in North Texas coming off the draft. Uh, Nicky Hernandez had that dire year last year that he's he's really got a rebound back from, um, probably with North Texas. You've, you've got to have somebody behind Brandon and, uh, and, and Paxton you know, without the idea of just shifting Faku forward to kind of spread the ball about as a as a backup to either of them. But we don't we haven't heard any names being bantied about either one of you. No, it's been weirdly quiet on that front. Yeah, you know, there were some guys that were linked uh earlier in the year, but they weren't they weren't like legitimate links. They weren't like like when we saw Velacos in Argentina, the minute he got linked, like the media there went crazy and there were like hundreds of stories about it. Like a lot of these other guys, you, you see like an initial link and then nothing. And you, you assume like, okay, that's an agent, you know, claiming that because he's trying to negotiate with his team. People love to use MLS teams as bargaining chips and FC Dallas in particular because FC Dallas is in the news right now. But, uh, you know, you don't go get an extra international spot now if you don't need it now. Because if you don't need it till the summer, yes, maybe you think the market might dry up. But at the same time, you could have a green card come through. You could have the, the summer window open and you're looking to sell somebody, maybe move some guys out. Maybe you trade somebody. There's like five different ways you can get an international spot cleared. So to trade now when they're kind of expensive, that 250 full gam is a little bit higher than in the past. You know, it makes me think... That, all signs are beyond just need. Look at the fact that Paxton has to play every single game right now because there's nobody else, you know, combine that with going and getting the international spot, combine that with what we know about the window, combine that with like five still open roster spots, combine that with two U22 initiative spots. There's just no way they're not going after something, you know, I, I, I think. Well, it does feel like, I mean, I, I at this point, with the way the, the offseason is gone, I guess we wouldn't be surprised by anything, but it does have that feel that they're going to end up bringing somebody from a, you know, a, a lower-level division in South America somewhere, you know, the Vargas, Obreon, or even Barrios kind of acquisition, somebody none of us will ever have heard of before. Um, uh, but, who you know, I mean, they did uh, Velasco and, and Areola, and maybe they'll bring in another third name of somebody exciting we'll see yeah that's the fc dallas bread and butter and the dp spots are full you know um by the time you have a dp spot open it'll be a new season you know so you're looking at at the most uh, they really liked the u22 initiative thing with shun they really liked how that panned out 
the money savings and the ability, the talent he had, you know, so they, uh, that was one of the vibes I was told from people I knew around the club was that they really wanted to hit that kind of mark again this winter. And we haven't seen it yet. So I, I've been on my, the, I had my eye out looking for that kind of move to come. There hasn't really been anybody that sort of fit that analogy, but um, you, you, when they were trying to get Vlaco in, there were a couple of people that told me that they had like six outstanding offers out and we're kind of just waiting to see like who would take it and move first, you know, and that, um, and that one person even told me that, that they knew that two people were coming from South America, one of them being Velaco. So, uh, again, I don't have any names to go any, any, any with, excuse me, with any of this stuff, but you know, all of the reading between the lines and reading of the tea leaf stuff say that something will come and they do have almost basically a month till the season starts. So and the window for the FC Dallas doesn't even open until February 10th. So there's plenty of time to do something in terms of getting a piece, you know, and it doesn't even have to be by the start of the season. It could be within the first month of the season still and still be the opening window. So, I, you know, no panic to do that real fast. I still expect that there will be one. Okay. Uh, moving over now, I apologize, Buzz. Have we already talked about uh, the scrimmage, the friendly? No. Okay. So uh, Dallas is in Florida. The ever and, and as Buzz has, has said on this podcast in previous episodes, this is the worst preseason schedule in club history. They opened up uh, with a friendly against the U twenties, and uh, mucking up the process is the fact that the brand new head coach also tested positive for COVID. And is it clear if he didn't travel with the team? Like, I'm confused as to what that. Dan, do you have any idea what the you know that whole story about him testing positive now being cleared and joining the team? Blah blah blah. No, they uh, they definitely made it sound like he was uh, back in Dallas uh, the other day. Uh, let me actually pull up because I've got the. Yeah, you know, what, just going into protocol doesn't necessarily mean you're positive, but um, in the news thing, the, the press conference this morning, he for sure said he had symptoms. Okay, that meant you were positive, you know, and he definitely is there now. But Dan's right. There was an implication that he wasn't there for most of the week. Huh. Well, Dan, did you find it's it? It's all very confusing. Is if he, if he had tested positive and was in quarantine, there's no way he could have gotten on a plane to get down there. So I don't, yeah, that's a weird, that, uh, that's all very mysterious. But he's now tested, he's clear and now down there with the team, apparently. Yeah, according to FC Dallas, he worked with the team today. Okay. Or according to him, I guess, I guess it's it was. possible that, you know, he tested negative and just was, you know, uh, within the last couple of days and flew down. And now he's kind of MLS protocol clear as well. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so do I know that we mentioned that they had the scrimmage against the U twenties? Yeah. Uh, any reports about that game? Because I know the club wasn't actively, uh, you know, giving information out about it. Yes, yeah, as, as far as I know, the club has put out absolutely nothing. The only information that's available is information I got, uh, and I'll tell you what I got, which was that Dallas dominated possession. The U twenties scored against the run of play in the eighty fifth minute. Uh, Nick, uh, Antonio Carrera, who's the younger brother of Nico Carrera. He's an FC Dallas U19 keeper. He's the one I've been saying is going to be signed this winter by FC Dallas. They just haven't announced it yet. He was with the USU20s right now, and he started and played the whole 90 minutes against FC Dallas, and he had six saves. Six oh, saves wow. is a monster game for a keeper. Um, and I, ha I managed to dig out the lineup for Dallas, and it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Maurer was in goal. The back line is uh, from left to right was Parker, who's the Generation Adidas third round, third overall pick, Martinez uh, at left center back, Bartlett, who's the sixth overall pick, who's the 24-year-old center back at right center back, Tuomasi at right back. Uh, Surreal was playing as the six, Pomacall as one eight, uh, Siki is the other first round draft pick was at the other eight. By the way, I've only seen him play as an eight with this club so far this spring. I thought he was a wing. They've only used him as an eight and he's actually shorter than Paxton, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Left wing is Khalil El Mercur. Uh Hadir Omrion at the nine, because he's the closest thing to a forward, I guess, that you have in camp right now. And a kid that I called Luque, which is his Brazilian nickname. Um, most people actually call him Andre most of the time. Now, this is a weird one because 
FC Dallas listed him on the roster as a North Texas player. They identified him as that. So I wrote him down as being a North Texas guy, and all the North Texas guys that are here are training with FC Dallas. But then I had somebody else that's kind of around the team to call him a trialist. So I, I wonder, maybe I'm being a little paranoid, but I wonder if he is a trialist and they were trying to disguise that by claiming him he's a North Texas player. Why would they disguise he, it? I don't know. You know, like they don't sometimes they don't want people to know that people are trialists or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's a trialist keeper in camp and they asked me not to say his name because they don't want people to know he's here. Now he's not a keeper to get excited about. He's like a USL journeyman kind of keeper. It's like a Kyle Zobeck replacement. He's 30. You don't, you shouldn't care. Honestly, when you hear his name, eventually you'll be like, if he signs, you'll be like, whatever. He's the third keeper kind of guy. So he doesn't matter. But you know, if this guy, Luke is like a former U us youth player, I think, and maybe like a, He's a Brazilian type guy and he's been playing in Spain or something. You know, he's kind of a little off the radar. So I wondered if they were trying to hide him a little bit or something. I, I can't think of why really, other than like sometimes they're just crazy paranoid like that. Like a good example is that on the on the FC Dallas preseason roster they handed out, which is not official, but that's where this is coming from. They listed Antonio Carrera as a North Texas player without having announced him, you know, but yet his agents called him a homegrown and still no announcement, you know, so we don't really know what his status is either. So like there's some weirdness with this kid, Luke, having watched him in training, he's a better player than I would expect from North Texas. He plays left wing. Usually all they had him in the right wing in this game. Is he better than some of the right wings they have on their roster? Not really, but he's pretty young. So he's an interesting sort of prospect. I, I really hope they had do have him signed for North Texas. I think he'd be a perfect kind of player to have there for this MLS two thing. So all right, but you nobody know, should be freaked out that they lost to the U twenties. Nothing. I mean, I heard it was like eighty percent possession. I mean, eighty percent possession is ridiculous. That's not really possible. But um, you know, they dominated the game from long, long stretches. They just couldn't get it past Carrera, who had six saves, which is exciting. You know, okay. and, and you're missing all your real scorers and real forwards. I mean, look, it's it's Khalil Elmukor who uh, maybe he has a little something, but he's a homegrown and Luke is this trialist. You have no idea who he's really for. And O'Brien's not really a nine, you know, so well, just not, to be clear, El McCor is a homegrown from another club, but was drafted by Dallas. Right? No, no. Dallas signed him as a homegrown. They, they, they traded for his homegrown rights homegrown. from Philadelphia ah, and signed him as a okay. homegrown. So, okay. you know, he's, he's basically like, but he's a college age kid. So he's like, uh, except that he's a left wing, you put, compare him to like a Jordan Cano or, a or Brandon Cervania coming out of college like he did, or Reggie came out of college. That's the talent level you hope he has. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he's a left wing nominally, but he's actually can play both sides. All right. Well, where do they go next? Orlando City. Play Orlando City in Orlando. I think it's on Saturday. Uh, so that should be a first team game, I would assume, and we'll hopefully they'll actually give us information and they stream it. Stream it or anything? That's I, I, I don't know. Ask. I'm told that later in the spring, quote unquote, there would be some games streamed. I don't know whether that's this one coming up, or whether it's the one that people can actually go to if you're a season ticket holder. I don't. I don't know which ones it's going to be. I, you know, they don't like to stream them. I don't know why, but <laughs> you know, probably because it costs fifty bucks. Uh, when do they, when are they back in the area training? Um, is that after next week? I, I think so. I mean, I certainly after the Orlando game, Dan, did the thing today say any better? Let's look at the training schedule. Uh, they travel back Saturday. Okay. Well, actually that's not right. No, I don't know when they come back Saturday. It says they depart for IMG. Cause I think that's the day they play Orlando. You know, I'm looking at old schedule. Hold wow. on. Don't worry about it. Well, it's not a big deal. I just wondered. I, you know, it, we, it's not an impressive pre-game preseason schedule anyway, uh, and they're only what like twenty? Are they twenty-three days away? Uh, the the opener is on the twenty-sixth. So yeah, twenty-three yeah. days. Mm, crazy. Um, okay, and then so how does that all play and square with North Texas? You know, they've got their new coach, Buzz. Have you gotten a hug from him yet? Have you met him yet? <laughs> I have not. I've not. He's, he's in Florida. He's, from, he's in Kenny. Florida. Oh, is he also in Florida too? Yeah, yeah. Their uh, their camp their camp officially opens on the seventh. Their tr training camp. So, because I know of a couple of people that have been asked to come to it and and start with them, like kids that are trying to make that team, basically. Okay. You know. Um, so I, I imagine that's when they will have their own sessions on the side with all of their players, including their I mean, right now. They only have five players. So 
Um, Derek Waldeck's still around, but he's not under contract, so that he would be six. You know, they still got to add quite a few players. Um, and that'll be really fun because then we'll maybe we'll get some ideas about what academy players are going to be involved, perhaps who they might be looking at around town, perhaps. So, uh, you know, I enjoy that stuff almost as much as FC Dallas. So it'll be good. How is your man crush? Uh, it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> he's getting some. Uh, he's getting a rivalry with Matt Hedges. Matt Matt is, uh, was on the media call earlier in the week, and he was uh, full of praise for Pa. Yeah, well, Pa's a, a, a I, I believe I don't want to speak completely out of turn, but I'm pretty sure he was a center back. Uh, yeah. And the the day that I watched after he had arrived, he spent the whole session basically working with all the center backs on what I will, for lack of a better term, I will call micro positioning, which is like reading each other. Like when one guy's stepping and the other guy's covering and, and a lot of time on back four team shape, moving together, shifting together, guys up, guys back. You know, I don't think they've had that level of one-on-one coaching. Like Peter Lucene has been the defensive coach, but he was not a center back. There's a difference. It's definitely been kind of the, uh, well, you know, we'll figure it out position. Like, you know, they had a, a striker coaching strikers, a midfielder coaching midfielders. I think you had, uh, I think Mikey Varis was uh, was coaching number four. Uh, Lucene switched in because Lucene was focused on the midfield for for quite a while. Um, so yeah, it's good to have that. Uh, Matt had mentioned, you know, that, that he's working with the defenders, and yeah, I mean, that guy was, you know, national team quality for for Norway. Had a decent, had a good, good MLS career, and uh, you know played elsewhere. I mean, that's a guy that that Matt Hedges would have gone up against in his in his earlier career, and one of the guys who at the time was like, you know, the uh, one of the the top defenders in the league. So yeah, it's, it's great a great mind to be able to pick from. I uh, asked because he is. Uh spent a lot of time in Norway, I asked Lars Sivertsen, the journalist from London who is Norwegian, who is on the kick-around on a regular basis, and he was totally familiar with Pa and was like, oh yeah, everybody in Norway loves him, nobody ever has a bad thing to say about him, he interviews well, Um, he's an amazing guy, you guys are going to love him to death. So, uh, thumbs up from a fellow Norwegian. Uh, Because I guess he moved to Norway when he was eight, is what Lars said. Wow. Yeah, from Gambia. So, okay. So, uh, North Texas starts off soon. Uh, the buzz man crush, uh, continues. We got to, we <laughs> yeah. got, I'm, I am hoping somebody is videotaping day. You and pa officially meet for the first time. <laughs> I got to see this slow motion running, coming together, man hug that takes place between the two of you. I just hope COVID regulations don't yeah. get in the way and prevent that from happening. Well, he didn't know me at all. He's not going to want to give me a hug. I, you know what? He is, Pa, I have a feeling he will run yeah. up and hug you whether or not he knows you. But you know what? I also have this weird feeling. He knows exactly who you are. Well, we've been trading text messages. We're working on our secret handshake. Oh. <laughs> you slated my play back in the day, and now I'm going to make you pay for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll be like oil and water. We won't get along. That'd be a shame. But uh, uh, Dan, we also know that the uh, today word came down that the roster for the She Believes uh, team has uh, come out for the U- U.S. Women's National Team, which will be played in Frisco. When are the dates for that? Uh, it is one day. It is the February twenty third, I believe. So it's just before the season starts. Okay, so uh, what we got today, I think, is going to disappoint some player or some fans because tickets are not inexpensive, yet you're not getting the big name players. Well, it's been a weird tournament as well because uh, the She Believes Cup was always like teams within the top fifteen, and I, th- I want to say that every team is is outside of the top fifteen. You've got. Uh, Ooh, who have you got? I think it's Iceland, um, New Zealand, and not Norway. Someone else from up that, that area. Um, but it, it's not going to be quality games by any stretch of the imagination. And then uh, Vlatko has gone 
very much looking towards players who can can contribute in the future, which makes sense when half your you know the majority of teams over thirty. Um, what that does mean is there's no Alex Morgan, there's no Megan Rapino, no Kristen Press, no Tobin Heath, no Julie Ertz. The the one that, that bothered me the most was actually Trinity Rodman, the uh, you know rookie of the year, Dennis Rodman's daughter, um, and now the highest paid player in uh, in NWSL thanks to uh, signing a contract just as the CBA was being agreed. Um, she is on the practice squad only. He said he wants her kept around the national team in low in no pressure environments so that a a friendly cup that means absolutely nothing is apparently a uh, a pressure environment that's too great beyond you know playing in the nwsl championship recently <laughs> czech republic by uh, the way is the fourth team czech republic was, okay yeah the uh the fighting cobras uh, so you know, uh, um, yes. Um, one one big play you will see is uh, Katarina Macario. Um, oh yeah, Stanford grad who would have been the number one pick and and the absolute shit in NWSL. But went no, I'm going to go play for Leon. Thanks, deuces. Uh, she was uh, uh, Madison Haley's uh, partner up front for Stanford. Um, so, yeah, you expect her to do the big things. Uh, Mal- uh, Mallory Peel will be the only real, I guess, known striker aside from her in uh, what's going to be, a, a, you know, a fairly inex- a relatively inexperienced squad for recent times. Uh, one other one, I think the only uncapped player will be, and I can't think what her name is, it's uh, Aubrey. It was Bledsoe. She's just got married and didn't change the name, but she is the... Uh, Washington Spirit goalkeeper who was the goalkeeper of the year in NWSL. The only thing I want to throw in there is I would hope that somebody that knows somebody in this town would make a phone call and get Jaden Shaw a training invite. Even if it's not Ooh. a real cap. I just, you know, like like you do every once in a while, like a strong local kid, that could bring him in and let him hang around. You know, I, I think that would be really nice to see. I think she's a spectacular player that has a future. Yeah. Uh, you suddenly brought back that one game. What game was it? I watched her play in, and I was completely blown away. It's the Dallas what Cup, was it? wasn't it? Was it the girls? Yeah, maybe that was the Dallas, the girls' final Dallas Cup. And I remember going, yeah. "Holy cow, she is, yeah, she is uh, next level." That would be great. And and the other thing is, I know people are going to be disappointed that some of the big name players aren't there, but there is a tremendous value to being able to go watch a lot of these newer players because the reality is, is that. The, the odds are you're going to you're going to get an opportunity to see the women that will be running this team for the next generation. So I know you want to see Morgan and I know you want to see Megan and, and Kristen and all those. But, man, there's a this that does sound fun to be able to watch uh, these ladies as well. I mean, Macario alone, you, you, yeah, there's a good chance you're looking at a future Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, that would be great. Um, okay, boys, anything else? I know it's not two hours of Dallas talk. Is there anything else we need to uh, get into? That's a pretty quality FC Dallas talk, I have to say. Just away from FC Dallas, that US Open Cup first round draw. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Dallas kicks, defeaters, whatever they want to be called these days against Denton Diablos. That's, that's going to be a really cool one at UNT. I'm definitely looking forward to going to that. Yes, and I asked the question the other day. I think I asked it on the pod why uh, Riados did not. Now, Riados put a team in the Alliance Cup, which was the tournament that just finished up last week uh, with Dallas Soccer Alliance. That's their new tournament they put together, which, by the way, a team called Strikers won. They beat Lone Star uh, in the final. Um, it apparently turns out that uh, Riados, the team that made it way far in the Open Cup years ago, has aged up a bit. In fact, they're actually an over 30 team uh, in the league they play in now, wow. and they have not reloaded with younger players. So uh, that's why they did not. They have not been playing in the Open Cup of late. Yeah, defeaters kicks. I mean, they they won in. I mean, they they won qualifiers and won games like NPSL and and and. Um, USL two or whatever those teams all chose to those leagues all chose to use their standings to determine who got in, which is why Denton's in as the defending NPSL champions. But kicks had to come through uh, defeaters kicks had to come through the local qualifying rounds, just like Riados used to always have to do. 
you know, they won so whatever they had to win. I don't remember what it was, but they won their way into the Open Cup. So hmm. um, they've kind of picked up that mantle, if you will. And by the way, um, I don't know if you know much about Defeaters Kicks. Defeaters, obviously, Peter, you'll know, is a longtime girls' academy around here. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Kicks was a up-and-coming, newer up-and-coming boys' club that was really doing some nice things. And they've merged those two groups together. And now they run a men's open sort of type team, like a high-level team that's obviously this team that's gotten into the open cup and they're doing they're not quite to the level of solar or fc dallas in terms of academy but they're real close i mean they got to be pushing dallas texans now for that spot as the third best academy in the metro in my opinion um so good on them that they have gotten in and and that game against denton where denton obviously was on paper is the favorite but you know, when you're talking about a single game off knockout, when the Denton probably won't be in season, I don't think by that point. So anything's going to happen in that game, uh, I'm going to try to go for sure because I think it's sport local soccer, right? It's going to be phenomenal. And when is the game? Oh, so you March. caught me, March something. I didn't look it up. That's my bad. I got oh, it right I haven't here pulled in front of me. Up. I haven't pulled up. It is on twenty second. Yeah, you could beat me to it at 7.30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up and in at the UNT soccer field, which is where the Dabbles used to play. Nice little facility. Encourage everybody to go to that. Support local soccer. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, Dan, there wasn't enough Dan in this pod. I, I'm sad to report. Now. You know, like, that's you know, my fault. It's just some straight-up xenophobia. Uh, you know, <laughs> with that United States <laughs> men's national team heavy content. Uh, yeah. Is there some Luton Town news you'd like to share with us or anything like yeah, that? I, I see you're in the top ten. brilliant right now. We're three points out of the playoffs with a game in hand. Is there go, any dude. chance you get promoted? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a small chance. Would you chance, put money on it? Small. No. Uh, I mean, maybe for, for shits and giggles. Um, but yeah, we uh, couldn't couldn't have dreamed of uh, being in the position we're in right now. It's, uh, it's great. It's, uh, it's something I hope that a lot of the uh, FC Dallas faithful get to, uh, to experience that, you know, giving up hope and then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, it's there and it's not being taken away. Well, good luck to Luton Town, the Hatters. In a worst-case scenario, maybe Watford gets relegated and you get to play Watford twice a season in the championship. I just want to get relegated anyway. I hate the scum, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) This is Hubert Tito, and I'm here to tell you that Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Shop Soccer 90 for all of your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. Watch for new MLS gear landing the entire month of February as we all anxiously await to see these new kits. All Third Degree listeners receive 20% off their purchase when they use the code THIRDDEGREE at checkout on Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Well, thanks for joining us, and I apologize not enough, Dan. That's my fault. That's all right. As always, next time. Okay. And Buzz, uh, okay, going once, going twice. You got anything else you want to throw out there? No, no. uh, Thanks, Pappy Check, for the music. Yes, thanks, Pappy Check, for the music. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We'll speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Choose Jesus. I mean, Jesus. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast.